0: Hello there, universe. Um, my name's Scott Somerville, and uh, I'm gonna talk for a little bit. I haven't done a show in a little while. This is only the second one. It's been quite busy lately. Um, you know, I'm in my second year at Trent University in Indigenous Environmental Studies, so I've been writing papers and such. Um, but I kind of want to talk about those topics um, so I think they're really worth. Um, expressing and uh, sharing. Um, uh, that's what I'm going to do for this episode. Um, plus also talk about an idea that I uh, have come up with with a friend. Not really come up with, I guess. People have probably thought of it before plenty of times, but um, just a new perspective on uh, kind of old religious texts. So uh, we'll start off, I guess, with this paper that I'm working on right now um it's called mccarthy or columbus oh was it mccarthy meets columbus or something like that anyways and it's about american imperialism in the cold war era and i've kind of from just doing some like just doing research on the topic um of cold war and colonization um i've kind of realized i've come to i've come to understand that whole era in a totally different light. Uh, you know, usually, you know, being in Canada which it's, you know, allied with the US were um and part of the Western bloc, you know, like we're quick to think uh about um about how the like the US was protecting democracy and, you know, like all these kind of things, right? These kind of uh sayings almost, you know, that were protecting the world from Evils of communism, right? And I've that always you know, it was always kind of uh, per, uh, peculiar because I thought, you know, like hearing the values behind communism—they felt so well intentioned, you know, um, you know, caring for you know social justice and things like that. Um, so I always kind of thought that was kind of peculiar, but I, you know, I also still believe it, right? And, uh, um, but I started doing this research for this paper. And I was, I've been finding so many, um, you know, I, I learned for the first time really about, um, about, um, the America, like the coups in, um, in Latin America that have like, that have been taking over, like during the cold war era have been taking over, uh, democratic governments, right. And they've been, and, uh, and replacing them with right-wing dictatorships, right, Were are extremely violent, have created genocides all across the continent, uh, particularly against indigenous people, right? And a lot of them have been against, like they are like they were searching for the communists, right? And they're going to kill the communists, and they're going to suppress uh, the communists' uh, revolution, right? And um, I... Um, I started looking into it and seeing how these were all, like, they're all orchestrated. Not well, Maybe not all of them, but at least a good portion of them were um, orchestrated by the CIA. And uh, I'm talking like this, like this is new news, you know, I'm sure anybody who's listening might know this already, um, but just kind of realizing that and realizing how the U.S., you know, they did that in order to suppress the communists, you know, that's what they said, but... Um, you know, they kept on doing it after, after the commun, after the threat of communism ended, right? And really it was in order to maintain control, right? And um you know, cause they're, it's American companies that were benefiting from these, uh, right-wing dictatorships. So um, I thought that was really, uh, really a key thing to know, you know, about history. And, um, and then also seeing how they did the same thing all over the world, right? Like, that's what they did in the Middle East, you know? That's what they did in, uh, I believe Indonesia, if I remember correctly, and, uh, other, other places, right? And, um, you know, pr- basically any place that they hadn't, that the US, or like, didn't consider to be first or second world, you know, quote unquote, right? Second world being, you know, the communist countries, right? Third world being places that, neither were the capitalist uh uh powerhouse you know powerhouse that you know the us was allied allied with right so like you know britain france uh australia canada right and um um i uh, i kind of realized there's also i should also mention there's this one um telegraph that i read um, I can't remember the fellow's name. I just read it. I just read it for the first time today. Um, but it was a telegraph from the ambassador, the Soviet ambassador in the U.S. in 1946, I believe. And um, they were sending a telegraph to the Kremlin saying that uh, the U.S. you know their intent was world supremacy, and uh, this, uh, and they're explaining a bit about like the the ambassador was explaining a bit what he'd learnt in the U.S. in Washington. And, um, and then, uh, it's a really interesting, uh, um, document, I can't quite remember what it's called, but, um, and, uh, this went unpublished until the nineties, right? It wasn't like an act, it wasn't an act of propaganda or anything. This was internal, you know, honest internal, um, document and, um, which was, it just kind of blew my mind. And I thought... You know, like, whether that's propaganda or not, you know, it, that's, exen- that's essentially what happened. Uh, if you look at it now, now that the uh, Cold War has ended and the Soviet Union, uh, like, the Soviet bloc had um, dissolved, you know, the U.S. has military in 150 countries around the world, right? And, uh, you know, their corporations are even, you know, even further spread around the world, you know? coca-cola said that they have um that they're they distribute to 200 plus countries and there are only uh like 196 i think like so like there's i guess i think those other four states or whatever i guess maybe like not considered you know independent countries or whatever by, by the united nations or whatever but um but you know like there's you know my point is that American corporations are all over, all over the world, right? And so regardless if that was their intentions or not, they have, you know, uh, control all over the world now. And it's largely benefiting them, right? Um, so kind of realizing the state of that, you know, um, I've been thinking about, uh, you know, the state of our existence right now, Um being under control of this empire that exists all around the world that isn't in the same form as empires previously, but um, I'd say has as much um, power as previous empires. You know, the British Empire, the Roman Empire, whatever, right? Like, it's the same kind of thing right now, but right now it's the American Empire. And we see the worst poverty... um, ever experienced in humanity right now. <coughs> um, excuse me. Um, you know, there's climate change, which is ne- has never been a problem until recently. Um, and you have so much violence all around the world and oppression, and, um, and it's just, you know, it felt like the pieces are coming together. You know, why is there so much of this going on? And I've realized now that it's because... In this era of American imperialism, um, which is, um, in terms like politically um, indirect, because the U.S. didn't really invade as many countries as it funded the invasion for. Right? Um, that that was the primary method around Latin America, at least in my research. I know of um, you know they would fund groups to take over the government they would you know give the weapons to them and uh they would you know they would do so in order for their own political gain right as like for the americans political uh, gain and these systems that they've put in place have lasted you know you have now you have resistance you know in um for instance um you know bolivia uh is resisting. Well, I mean, back in you know, back in the six, in the fifties, you know, Cuba resisted, right? That was the Cuban Revolution. That's what uh, Shay and um, Fidel and Raúl and all of them. That's what they. That's what they were fighting against, right? Um, so, um, and it's really lasted since then. You know, American imperialism. So, um, re- understanding the state of the world, and but now. Um, i'm going to kind of move on to another uh, connect this with another thing that i've been thinking about i've had a really good conversation with my friend uh tom and um he is a he is a christian mystic as he like has he identifies and um and we've been having a lot of really good conversations cuz from a place of a non-christian as myself you know as a pantheist as kind of an eco-spiritualist um you know, I, I'm i trying to learn from other religions how to connect my spirit, like how to act on my spirituality. So he's been really helping me with that. Um, and we had a conversation the other day about the political aspect of Jesus Christ. Um, and thinking about how he was going up against the Roman Empire, right? And he... Um, he was in essence leading a spiritual revolution you know it was it was political in that you know he was going up against the state and he was challenging the state but he did so in a very spiritual way he was teaching people um the ways of being you know that would create for a new humanity that would challenge uh that would challenge the roman empire and um you know thinking about political revolutions these days you know we have the, you know, like the 15 hour, or the $15 an hour, uh, minimum wage. Um, you know, we have the, you know, whatever, like the climate marches that, like, they have very particular, um, purposes that are supposed to be met. And, like, those are effective. I mean, they're good. But, um, I think we're going to keep on having those if we don't really get to the root of the problem. And that's, um, our loss of spiritual beings, I think. Um, I think since, um, since the creation of empire, right, we've been eroding away at our spiritual and moral beings. Um, and I think that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. I think sin is, you know, the, the conscious manifestation of empire, you know, it is killing, it is, um, you know, stealing. It's all these things that, you do that empires do, right? And that you have to do in order to maintain the empire, right? And um, so I think what he was trying to get at was the underlying, um, the underlying actions and decisions and values and um, ideas of people um, that maintained their empires. And even if people wanted to, if, even if people liked the empire or not, they still had empire ways that, um, regardless of who was in power, it would still maintain them. And, um, so I've been thinking that we need to start looking at what we do, right? And now, you know, as, as a settler of, uh, on Turtle Island, you know, within the state of Canada, um, you know I am realizing now that there are things that I have historically thought, and that you know my friends and family have always thought, that um, that keep gov- like that keep our state in power, and that keep maintain this colonial mentality. That um, even if we're not racist ourselves, it still can breed racism. And, um, and that's the topic of my other essay that I want to talk to you about. Um, and I, uh, I've been thinking about how in our current state, you know, what values do we, uh, do we hold as settlers in large, you know? Um, you know, everybody's different, but kind of the common, the common ideas that we hold and one of those is um, this Hobbesian, like referring to Thomas Hobbes' um, idea of the state of nature, of human nature. Um, you know, being like he thought, he argued that humans are naturally violent and inclined towards chaos and um, disruption, and um, which is, I think, um, is very problematic. I mean, it, it. The things that, like, he wrote that during you know, just after the English Civil War in the 1600s, mid 1600s, and uh, or maybe 1500s. I can't remember. Anyways, whatever the date is, um, but he wrote that at a time when people were suffering greatly, right? And they were driven um, by this war um, to um, to be violent and to be distrusting, right? And to um, And to be very individualistic and not help people so much and just survive. You know, that was their main purpose. And, um, I've been, uh, you know, like then that, and it was at this time that he, uh, concluded that that was just human nature for us to be violent and cruel and individualistic and distrusting. And, um, even though it may sound a bit extreme at this point, it has influenced thought over the years and has evolved right into forms that have been become more normalized that we now accept. Right, and um, you know, if you if you think that we absolutely need a government uh, like the one that we have right now, then because you know we wouldn't really be able to function on our own, that is an evolution of Hobbesian theory. And, um, to think about, you know, like, and I, I understand it for sure. I've thought that for my whole life up until this point, right? But I've realized that it's because we've been put into a state of being that relies on a government, right? We've, we've been put into this place of dependence and, but we need to, but we don't have to be in that place, right? I think, I think our natural place, our place um untampered by um empire um you know which would exist nor naturally you know i think empire is a very unnatural thing and it spreads it's kind of like a disease right and um by thinking our natural healthy state humanity um wouldn't have empire and because for most of the history of earth there have been no empires right um and so um where is I going with that? Um is being recorded. <laughs> um, yeah, so because of this um because of the way that governments have functioned, they intentionally break up um the structures of humanity that um that Bring us together, right, and hold us accountable to each other, and breed love and harmony between peoples. Um, and I think those structures are family, community, and nation, right? Um, now, when I say nation, I don't mean the Canadian nation because I don't think that really exists. Um, we are a state that has existed. The state itself has existed for 150 years, and uh, that's kind of what we're celebrating this year. But That doesn't have anything to do with these lands, I think, because the lands have existed here long, long before. And, um, and people have been on this land long, long before as well, you know? This is only a very small recent chapter of the history of Turtle Island, right? And, um, but I digress. Um, the, um, you know, we, when I say nation, I mean our people, you know? Who is it? Who, where is it that we, you know, originate from, and what's our story? Right, and it's the shared story that is, um, you know, and also but not not just story I guess, as well, but the the qualities of your culture. You know, uh, that's the thing as well. We don't really have a Canadian culture other than like Bob and Doug McKenzie and <laughs> Rick Mercer or whoever, right? Like it's comedy. That's what the, like the Canadian culture is: comedy and. We don't really have anything that's truly definitive. And so that's why, you know, I, I've been connecting myself with my Irish ancestry, right? And that's truly where I'm from. Um, you know, and we have a story, right? Before English colonization, um, you know, the Irish and the, like the, all the Celts, you know, we're, um, we lived on the land, you know, we're agricultural people, uh, and we had culture and spirituality that, Reinforced that relationship, right? Um, you know, we had, we had, our beliefs in goddesses, you know, in the divine feminine, and um, who were intrinsically linked with the land, and they were, you know, they were the ones who cared and uh, breathed life, and um, you know, it reinforced very, uh, you know, very like the sacred feminine. Um, sacred earth relationship, uh which I think is absolutely normal. You know, that's exactly how it is. You know, the feminine energy being associated with creation and with um care and nurturing, right? Um and so anyways, so that's that's my nation. Um I think that you know is very different from the Canadian nation. So anyways, um yeah I was digressing a bit more on that Maybe a bit too much, but um, my point being is that the structures that hold humanity together, that govern humanity naturally, right, that prevent people from killing and stealing and deceiving others and distrusting and, you know, just like it it prevents all these horrible things. Um, The structures that do that are our families, our communities, and our nations because we're accountable to those right and um they breed love in us you know they 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 give us a sense of belonging that we don't want to lose right and it it prevents us from committing these crimes but you know when right now you know under the state we don't really like the state prevents those three aspects from really coming together right To help guide us. Um, you know, our education system is very disconnected from our own cultures, right? We learn about, you know, science and math and geography, right? We're very, very particular academic subjects. And, uh, we don't learn about our people. We don't learn about our, like, we don't learn about values or morals or anything or creation stories or, you know anything like that it's very disconnected from who we are and um and that's what you know that's what raises us really you know we're at our schools for the the same amount of time that our parents are at work, right and that's the other thing too like parents you know the work the work schedule of nine to five five days a week you know it doesn't really allow for families to care for each other right to build together to raise each other and to you know grow alongside each other you know like it it means that when the parents come home they have to feed the kids and then they have like you know a few hours just a few hours a day with their kids to really you know to talk with them right and to raise them and that's not enough you know Um, so you know like the state the state prevents that from occurring uh, for that family building to be occurring, um, and then also with community, you know, like the way that it's all de- all designed, right? It's all privatized land, right? Um, everybody has their own plot, and they stay in their own plot, and it's designed in a big grid. And then, you know, the places that you know community does build, those are all businesses, you know, and maybe like the occasional, you know, their library. You have, you know, maybe some parks that you can only go to when it's, the weather's all right, you know. Um, you know, it, you it's limiting, you know. The community is, is limited. And, you know, back in the day, you know, you would have common spaces that you didn't need money to be in, you know. Um, or you didn't need, you needed, it was close enough that you, could, you didn't have to drive there, you know. You can, uh, you know, you can build community together. And um, I think that's, you know, that's one of those other things that the state has inflicted um, pain on. Uh, So these three structures, limited by the state, right, they, um, you know, and these things would normally govern us. You know, they would govern our actions. They would uh, prevent us from, you know, they would support us and they would guide us to being good humans. And we don't have those structures to the same degree anymore. And so, um, you know, I, so, and then we start committing more crimes, you know, we don't have, you know, any, really as much influence and interconnectivity. So we kind of, this is when, you know, this is why we have so much crime in our society. And I think, um, and then that, and then you know, with all that crime in the society, yes, of course we need something to hand to manage it, right? But um, it doesn't have to be like that. So, um, um, so yeah, I think we at this point, what really needs to happen, um, we need to actually like this is part. This is part of the spiritual shift, right? Um, this is part of what we are, what we need to do in order to make real change, and um, you know, changing our views, our these Hobbesian views that we need, uh, that we need a government, that needs to change because we don't need a government. Uh, we need community. We need family. We need nationhood. Um, we need a sense of belonging. And those those will govern us in a positive way. That's ne- that's positive reinforcement, not negative reinforcement. You know prisons the prison system doesn't work you know it's just a place that tortures people and then you know want they socially tortures them and then you know releases them back into the world where they don't even at that point they don't really know how to interact with it and then most people just end up back in the prison system um you know it's it clearly doesn't work. the facts you know show that um so um and then by doing so you know. By understanding this, you know, we allow ourselves to let go of empire, right? And, um, so this is kind of one of the things I was writing about in this essay. Um, and I'll definitely, I'm hoping to publish them somewhere at some point. So, uh, I'll keep updated on here if there's anybody even listening, but, you know, uh, but yeah, so, and then, um, one of those other things that I think we need to look at, you know, our own values. Is that, is our relationship with nature. We have to reevaluate that. Absolutely. Because, um, we have this idea that we have, um, full, you know, we have full rights to nature, right? Um, that we can extract its resources, or her resources, I should say, at any point. And, um, you know, there's, there's been some, uh, a lot of conversations lately about the relationship between, um, colonization of mother earth and the colonization of bodies and um both are very similar and i've been talking to some people who have experienced some absolute horrific um traumas um of this kind of nature and you know the the connection is clear right and um we seem to disconnect ourselves from nature uh you know Treat, treat her like in an it, and um, de de, um, I want to say dehumanize nature, you know, but in sense of like denaturing nature, <laughs> you know, and um, and we think it's all right, but you know, as climate change will show you, as pollution will show you, as uh, mass extinction will show you, you know, it really isn't okay, and we need this relationship um to be healthy for our own survival and for the survival of all life um and by thinking that it's okay to be mining to be um you know uh clearcutting forests uh to be overfishing you know that's a problem but it's our it's not necessarily people's choice it's you know they have to right because of the economic system they have to over harvest so that they can sell the rest right so that they can pay their taxes and their uh their rent and you know whatever right um, you know you can no longer just survive off of uh the food that you need right because you know this well first of all, you know like the state you know needs money to keep running right and uh. So, um, you know, that's a bit of a, that's one of those other values that is very problematic in whole. And, uh, I don't know if I'm going to go through the rest of the, what I was talking about. Um, but I should just like, you know, there's a few of these, like just cause there's, you know, there's a, it's a lot, there's a lot of them and, uh, maybe I'll talk about them later. Uh, if you're interested in reading the, um, the essay. Just uh, email me, summy 14 at gmail.com. S-O-M-E-Y 14 at gmail.com. So, um, but what I want to get to is going back to this idea of Jesus Christ, you know, being, uh, like, sins being uh, eternal, or internal manifestations of empire. Right? I think that's what he was getting at. That's what he was talking about. And uh, I'm not... I'm not a Christian, but I can respect that, you know, and I think he wasn't the only one, for sure. I think Buddha was saying the same kind of thing. Um, the peacemaker, um, from Haudenosaunee, um, knowledge that's been shared with me from, in our uh, indigenous environmental studies class from, by Dan Longboat. Um, you know, there's all, a lot of these people who have, um, you know, brought about this, Uh, spiritual revolution, you know? Changing how we think about things um, and changing society through that. And I think that's what is so essential right now because, like, we need... We need to change our thoughts. You know, we need to know that nature exists beyond us and we have no right to um, take more than we need. We need to... Have a spiritual shift that we realize the power of family, community, and nation in guiding us as a species and a society. And how important that is, and how we don't need a state government to do anything. Um, we are like to do any, like to do any of this. And we need to, we need to have this spiritual shift. And, um, so I think I'm gonna be working on that think my life that's that's going to be one of like throughout my life i think that's going to be what i'm working on and um, there's a lot more out there as well there's a whole lot of teachings that we can draw from our own cultures you know that's what i've been really doing with this essay you know looking at celtic teachings and seeing what they say and um, i've kind of realized that i think for most uh, cultures religions spiritualities when you break it down, like break it away from their colonial influence. You know, like Christianity, you know, has a huge colonial influence, right? And I think that's why you don't really hear Jesus about Jesus being against empire, right? And uh, you don't really hear that connection because Christianity became an empire. And this has happened with a lot of other religions as well. And I think when you break down the colonial aspects that have been imposed on any culture or religion... I think you're going to find them all essentially saying the same thing, right? That it is love that we need um to, you know, for guidance, right? We don't need prison systems to guide humanity. We don't... Because it doesn't work anyways. Um We need love, you know. We need our families. We need our friends. We need our community. We need our nations. Um, and um that's essentially what they're all saying. And I think we haven't fully grasped that, and we need to grasp that once again. So um, I'm going to end off on that. I think that was 33 minutes, so um, just, you know, think about it anyways. Um, hopefully hopefully this, you know, made you think a little bit about particular things, uh, whether you agree or disagree, you know. Um, and, yeah, I'll uh, I'll talk more next time. So, uh, have a great, uh, rest of the day, whatever time it is that you, uh, you listen to this, but, um, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Take care.